3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the blood. You may be seated. We pray for us and ask for God's mercy and grace in receiving his word. Father, we thank you so much that you've decided to speak to us, that you've decided to reveal to us who you are, your will. But Father, we confess that without the Spirit, without you softening our hearts, without you giving us understanding, these are but ink on paper. Would you give us the grace to see this, your word, not only with our eyes, but with our hearts, and with the conviction to change, to transform, to conform to the image of Christ. Father, especially as we come to today's text, would you give us understanding? Would you give us grace would you give us eyes to see beyond ourselves to an eternal existing God, to an eternal mind stretching back beyond time has decided to choose us in Christ. Father, it's a wonderful teaching, it's a wonderful truth, but it's difficult to understand and difficult to teach. So would you give us all grace to receive and to give. Christ and we all pray. Amen. All right, listen up. What's your favorite games in uh, in school? Huh? Do you, do you guys ever play games where there's two teams, you know, you line up, and you... Football? Whatever it is, you, you all know an example or a time when you're chosen, right? And when you're chosen... Where someone chooses you to be first, third, or second, whatever. And do you remember how good it feels to be chosen on a team, especially if you're chosen high? No. No, because no, you've never been chosen high? Too much pressure. Too much pressure? Well, anyways, we're getting beside the point. What today's text tells us is that God chose all of us, right, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, before he even made you, before you were even born, he chose you. Now, what does that mean? It means that his choice of you was not because of who you are, what you did, what you're going to do, how good you are. But it was his choice, and he chose you in Christ because of what Christ would do for us, what Christ has done for us, namely dying for our sins. So it's a wonderful truth that God has chosen you. He knows your name before you were even born. He has chosen to love you in Christ before you even spoke, before you even cried, before you even took your first step. Right? And once chosen, the scripture tells us, forever chosen. So I hope you can find truth in that and find some peace in that and some joy in that will lead you to worship. Now for the rest of us. I'm using that same illustration for you guys too. 
So everyone knows, right, the, the exhilaration and the agony of being chosen or not. As someone who's played sports since childhood, I've, I'm very familiar with not so much the exhilaration, but the agony of not being chosen first or second or second to last or last. Uh, I'll be honest with you, most of the times I wasn't chosen at all. I used to play in the courts where the unchosen were playing, always looking to the left side, of course, saying, one day I'm going to play on that court. Well, that was me. So I know I'm very familiar with not being chosen, the, the agony of such. But there was also a day where I felt the exhilaration of being chosen. Not number one, and that never happened, but number three. Oh, man. That was like the greatest feeling ever. I can't even explain. Um, and I think it was because finally I felt like someone recognized me. Right? And usually this is how it works. When you have two teams, you know, in recess for me it was, it went from uh, kickball to softball to basketball to flag football. It was also always about two teams. You choose the two best players, right? The two that everyone knows are the best. And they're the team captains. And then they choose. So when I was chosen third, the exhilaration was kind of due to the due in part because I was recognized by someone who I know is good, someone I admired and respected, and he chose me to be on his team. Third, right? It was a bad day. A lot of the, the best kids weren't there at school that day. I guess they were sick or something, holiday, whatever the case was. I think I'll go so far as our level of exhilaration, our level of thrill of being chosen is directly proportional to the amount of admiration, respect, and love you have for the one choosing. This is why there's a distinct difference between Joe Nobody telling you to do something as opposed to the President of the United States choosing you to do something. Right? There's, a, there's a difference there. When would you feel more honored? When would you feel more humble? The president were to ask you to do something. Yeah? If he chose you to do something. Now, there's a marked difference between being accepted to some no-name college and then being accepted to the greatest university in the face of the universe, UCSB. There's a big difference, right? There's a huge difference. Now, as respected as the president and UCSB may be, can't compare to what Paul is telling us today. You have been chosen by none other than God. The God of the universe. He has chosen us. Now again, the joy and amazement with which you will receive that truth it's going to be proportional to your understanding of who God is, of the admiration and respect that you have for God, and of the love that you have for God. What an amazing truth. You and I have been chosen before the foundation of the world by God. Now there are many things about this doctrine that, and this truth that this text is going to teach us, and I'm going to try my best my ability to unfold this wonderful, amazing truth to you, but I ask that you come with, a, with an open heart, especially to this truth which has, you know, stirred a lot of uh, 
animosity even amongst Christians. As you come to this truth, I ask that you come with a humble heart, an open heart, fully submitting to God and what He has to say in His Word. And I promise you that on the other side of this of receiving this truth will be a greater heart of worship, a greater sense of who you truly are, and a greater sense of purpose for your life. So again, today's text, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We covered that last week, the, the wonderful past tense. He has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Blessed be the Father, or blessed be the God and the Father. That's how Paul begins. Blessed means praise be, right? So he begins the text with praise be to God and Father. So if we're going to answer, answer this question, or look into this text about choosing, the first and foremost thing is this, that our being chosen by God is cause for praise of the one who has chosen us, not us. There's a difference, right? The wonderful truth that God has chosen us should lead us to praise the one who has chosen, not us, right, who have been chosen by Him. You see, being chosen by God does not make much of us, but rather makes much of the one who has chosen us. Now there is a real temptation to receive this truth in a very self-centered, man-centered way as opposed to rightly receiving it in a thoroughly self-abasing and God-centered way. The temptation, I believe, lies in our experience. In all of our experiences of being chosen in this world, whether it was into a sports team or into a college or into a company or being chosen as someone's wife and husband or the honor roll, or the dean's list, it's based upon our merits, is it not? Being chosen validates our talents, our intellect, our hard work, and our potential. Being chosen in all of our experiences in this world means that we were worthy to be chosen. There's something in you that someone saw worthy enough to be chosen. That there was something good in us that merited our being chosen. This is why we congratulate you for making the team. This is why we praise you for being accepted into that college and make much of you for getting that job. And it is very easy and tempting to bring the same mentality into this discussion. It's very easy on my part to turn this message into a very man-centered message where I'm set to make you feel good about yourself. Give you a little ego booster. Right? I can say things like, look how valuable you are that he would choose you. I can say things like, look at how wonderful you are because you have been chosen by God. Surely you must be great if you have been chosen 
by God. But listen to this. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. Listen to this. Paul, addressing the believer, says this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and righteousness in sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let no one boast, but let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Essentially, what Paul is telling us is that we were the stupid ones. Right? He's telling us that we were the weak ones. That we were the paupers. That we were the lowly of lowest. Absolutely worthless in and of ourselves. I think that's a fair translation of what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians. Only if we are deluded by our own self-image of grandeur will we turn the doctrine of election, which is God choosing us, into an opportunity to boost our ego, to congratulate ourselves, to praise ourselves. Surely by now, I hope to God, surely by now, you and I know who we really are. And surely by now, you and I know that there is nothing good in us. Surely by now, you and I know that we are indeed weak. That we are indeed sinful. That we are indeed foolish. And that we are indeed utterly unworthy. I hope to God he's revealed that to you. And I hope you know yourself well enough to know this. But he's chosen us. The question that should immediately arise from someone who has been chosen, who knows that there is no worthy merit by which we should have been chosen, is this. Why me? Right? That should be the natural question we should ask. If you truly know yourself, if you know that there is nothing in you, no potential, no, none of that good enough for you to be chosen, not by just some anybody, but by God. The question that should arise from all of us is, why me? Why us? It says in verse 4, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. To best answer this question, I, need, I think we need to start with what the reasons weren't. This text tells us that He chose us before the foundation of the world, right? This means that before we were even created, before even the world was created, He chose us. This means that we were chosen before we could do anything. Before we could even show our talents. 
before we could even prove ourselves worthy, before we did anything remotely good, before anything we could possibly argue as a merit for our election. That's what it means, before the foundation. It means that before we could have done anything, He chose us. The fact that He chose us before the foundation of the world should once and for all settle that the choice was not based on, nor dependent upon who we are, what we have done, and what we could potentially do. The choice was made completely independent of our worthiness, of our merits, and our potential. The choice was made before the foundation of the world. That should once and for all settle that it wasn't because of who you are, what you will become, how good you may be. It was completely independent of us. Independent upon the one who was choosing. Now many would argue that God's choosing was dependent upon his foreknowledge of what we would do in life. Because he foreknew that we would choose God, that we would live a good life, he chose us, they would argue. God foreknew that we would choose a life and path of holiness, therefore God chose us, they would argue. If that argument is indeed true, then I would argue that we as the chosen ones have some reason to be praised. No? God foreknew that you were going to be good, so he chose you. God foreknew that one day you were going to live for God, so he chose you. Well, if that's true, then I would argue, then there's some reason for you and I to take at least some part of the praise for our salvation, no? We have some reason to be praised, to be congratulated, to share the glory of our own salvation, because we played a part in being chosen. That is true. But listen to what Paul says later in this very letter of Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And that's pretty clear. Salvation was all of God. None of us, not an ounce of us. Because if there was an ounce in which you and I were responsible for our own salvation, then there's an ounce of us to boast about. No? The text says so that no one may boast. It is completely and wholly from Him. There is absolutely no room for us to claim any credit in His choosing of us because The choice was completely and solely dependent upon God, upon what He was going to do, and upon His character. I'm going to highlight some of the things that even this text and these texts say. It says, blessed or blessed us in Christ. In verse 4, He chose us in Him. He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. What Paul makes explicitly clear in here is that every spiritual blessing, 
that God has bestowed upon us, even our election and salvation, was given to us in Christ, through Christ, in the Beloved, not in us. I would agree that God foreknew us. But this truth, if anything else, should baffle us even more. And make us ask even more strongly, why me? If he already knew how selfish, how impure, how ungrateful, how sinful I was going to be. If he already knew that. Then that makes me ask even more strongly, why me? How could he choose me before the foundation of the world if he really knew what I was going to do? It adds to the perplexity in my case. It adds to the the mind-boggling why. Why me? Because I know who I am. And again, the answer does not, cannot rest upon us and who we are or even our potential to deserve his choosing of us. So how could he? How could he choose us? How could and how did, or how he did, he could and he did, because he chose us in Christ. He chose us in Christ. Listen to these texts. This is where it gets a little bit, you know, I want you to kind of flow with my thought. Revelation 13, 8 says this. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. It's in the context of those who uh, will be punished, right? Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. Revelation 21, 27. Again, the context of, you know, being, being able to enter or not. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's a book of life. And what is made clear is that this book of life was written before the foundation of the world. People were chosen and their names were written in that book before the foundation of the world. This accords with what Paul is teaching us here, right? Before the foundation of the world, he chose us in him. But you must pay attention to what that book is called. It is called the book of of life of the Lamb that was slain. It is called the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb, as we know, refers to Christ, who went to the slaughter as a lamb, as a sacrifice on our behalf. Just as the Passover lamb was sacrificed for God's wrath to pass over the house on which the blood was posted in Egypt, Jesus Christ was a lamb that was crucified that God's wrath may pass over all who are covered by the blood of Christ. So before the foundation of the world, when God chose us, he chose us with Christ's sacrificial work in mind. It's kind of mind-boggling. He knew that Christ was going to die and make a sacrifice. I can't explain it beyond what is clearly implied in scriptures. All I know is that in the eternal mind of God, the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ was always part of the plan. And we too, you and I, 
who believe in Christ, we too were part of his plan, of his mind. And his plan was to choose us through what Christ was going to do. Paul repeats himself throughout the book of Ephesians in Christ. Right? And all its variations. It comes up over and over and over again. It's because Paul was acutely sensitive to the fact that everything that God has planned for him and us hinged upon what Christ has done and continues to do for us. You and I were chosen in Christ. In his sacrifice. We are chosen not because of our merit, but wholly because of the merit of Christ and his work. How could he choose us? Why did he choose us? He chose us in Christ because of what Christ was going to do. He chose us not because we were worthy, but because Christ was worthy. He chose us not because we had potential to glorify him with our lives. He chose us because Christ will supremely glorify him with his. Everything, every relation we have to God, it is through and in Christ. It is synonymous. And I think what Paul is going to make clearer, and as we go through Ephesians over and over and over again, is how intricately, intricately tied together is our identity with who Christ is. You know, and hopefully, if God will bless us and grace us, we'll begin to understand more and more what it means to be in Christ, to be identified with Christ in God's sight. That's a, that's, a, that's a lot. I don't know. Maybe uh, um, cuz you know what's happening here? I'm not asking you. You don't have to answer. What's happening here is this. And this is why when I was preparing for it, it it you almost stop and you're like it's it's beyond me. Paul, or God, through Paul, is giving us a glimpse into the eternal mind of God. Right? Like I prayed earlier, it's so difficult for us to look outside of ourselves. Right? Because that's all we know. Everything that's happening, history, math, English, we process all that information through who we are. Through our existence. But what God is doing here is kind of forcing us to get outside of ourselves. This is before you were even created. Right? He, he's giving us a glimpse into the eternal mind of God. And in that unsearchable place, the mind of God was you and I chosen in Christ. Now that's a hard thing to explain. It's a hard thing to convey. But I sure as heck hope it makes you struggle, or not struggle, makes you... You know, I was preparing for this on Friday and Saturday, and uh, I just felt this sense of 
wow, it's really not about me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We get so tied up with life, with the, the things of life. Like tomorrow you're already worrying about what you're going to do, you know, things you need to do. We're so caught up in who we are and our own existence that we forget that we were created. That there is something greater than us. And I hate to say this, but it's true. Um, on Saturday, I was working on my sermon. And then, you know, I'm, I'm like, this is horrible. Confessing my sins before you. And, you know, I'm updating the Saints of 49ers score. And I know at the end of the half that this is going to be a good game. Right? So I'm like, am I about done? So I'm about 80% done. I'm going to go home and catch the end of this game. And, you know, praise the Lord, I did. <laughs> uh, it was by far like one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. And I was in my room by myself watching this game. And I was just yelling at the top of my lungs right when Alex Smith scored, you know, that touchdown. And then Drew Brees scored again. With it, and then they scored again. I was just yelling. And then I realized it's true. We were created to experience greatness outside of ourselves. I wasn't at the game. I wasn't the one throwing the pass. I wasn't the one catching the ball. I wasn't even on the 30-yard line watching it with my own eyes, you know, feeling the, the thing and hearing it. I wasn't there yet. I was I, I unexplainably excited and, like, just smiling. No one had to tell me to smile. I was excited. If there was someone there or a high-fiving, it, it, it's spontaneous excitement over something that's not about you. Now, I'm not telling us to go and experience all these things. I'm trying to give you a little insight into how you and I were created. We were created to be able to find unexplainable joy, satisfaction, spontaneous excitement in something outside of ourselves, beyond ourselves, greater than us. And it is God. And what we get here is a glimpse into the eternal mind of God and this great thing that was happening before you and I were even created. The counsel of his own mind, his own will. He fashioned you and his thoughts already. And he chose you to love you. What did he chose or choose us for? He tells us here. He chose us that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Christ. Yes, part of why you're chosen is so that you and I will become holy and blameless. But don't stop there. Because so many people do. You've been chosen so that you can become holy and blameless. No, that's a means to an end. What's the end? Holy and blameless before Him. Before, it's a Greek word, it translates face to face. So that you may be holy and blameless before Him. You know what the end is? The end of His choosing us is that we may be with Him. Face to face. And then the next part kind of highlights that even more. He predestined us for adoption. Face to face, not just as anybody, 
but as his son and as his daughter, as part of his family. That's what you and I have been chosen for, to be holy and blameless in order that we may be able to stand before God and not God in any old kind of relationship, but we may be able to stand before God as his son, as his daughter. That's what happened before you and I were even born. You know, I've been racking my brain. Is there a parallel is there a sufficient antidote or story that I can use to illustrate this kind of crazy, amazing truth? And there isn't. God chose us to be His sons and daughters. He chose us that we may share a place in His family, that we may experience and live out for eternity the joy of the blissful, eternally joyful fellowship of the Son and the Father and the Spirit. What I do know is that in the best of worlds that a mother and father chooses to love their yet-to-be-born son or daughter. Before the first cry, before the first step, before the first anything, the mom and dad have entirely and absolutely chosen to love that child. In the best of worlds, the child is loved by the parents not because the child has done anything to earn that love, not because they've done anything good or inherently lovable, but because the parents have chosen to love their child no matter what. Best illustration I could come up with, and it still pales in comparison. Because your parents and my parents didn't know how hurtful we could be. They didn't know, they had no idea how ungrateful we could be. But God knew exactly how selfish we were going to be how sinful we were going to be, how over and over and over and over again we were going to reject Him in our daily lives, in our thoughts. Yet He chose to love us. Let me ask you, does that make much of you? Does that make much of God and His love? So I end today's sermon with the way it began, as Paul begins his letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul understood this doctrine so well, and his response is the correct one. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, I, I, I admit, this is a difficult, difficult thing to teach. It's a difficult thing to receive. Not only is, is there a difficulty in understanding it, but a difficulty in receiving it because we're so self-centered. We so want it to be about us. 
But Lord God, what it teaches us today, your word, is that you are gracious. You are love. That before the foundation of the world, you chose us in Christ. Not because of who we are. Not because of the talents, the goodness that is inherent within us. Not because of the potential of us becoming holy and blameless. But wholly and completely and solely because of what Christ will do for us. You chose us because you are love. You chose us because you are grace. And Father, on this side of being chosen, all I can say is, Lord, you are gloriously gracious. And for that, I will praise you with all the might and strength you give me for all of eternity. In Christ's name we all pray. Amen.